We're just wearing the earphones for show. Just <laughs> <laughs> for show. Yeah. You can't hear yourself, eh? A little, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's very quiet. Okay, that's, you did some. Oh, there yeah. we go. Hey, yeah. now we're talking. I still oh, don't know how to use this. You thing. just, you just <laughs> killed it. It was there for a moment. And that, yes. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances. And unfold the roadmap to financial independence. But it's money mechanic. Did we add a comment? Comma? Comma? <laughs> so I can add as many commas in there as I want. Yeah, great. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. Cheers, boys. Who are hey. you and why are you here? Uh, I am the accountant and I'm here to drink this beer. I'm the economist and I'm always here for the beer. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, this week's beer is a Canadian classic. It is Alexander Keith's Indy PL Ale, the pride of... Nova Scotia, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 And you got to like the bottle clink. You have to drink a Keith out of the bottle. I think it's There's no other option. Yeah. If you're not drinking it out of the bottle, are you even drinking a Keith? Does it even come in cans? Uh, Not in BC. It can't come in cans. Not at the liquor store I was at. Yeah, there you go. Seems like illegal. (laughs) (laughs) So a big shout out and thank you to Daniel, who is from... Nova Scotia from Halifax. He bought us this round of beer, so we do appreciate that. He suggested we have a Keats. And funny thing, guys, I used to drink, like, this was my beer 20 years ago. Like, it was the beer. And I totally thought I was, like, the man drinking IPAs before IPAs were even cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And turns out, not so (laughs) IPA-ish. It's the least IPA IPA I've ever had. It's got some bitterness to it, actually. It does have a little bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. But it's... It's it's been a long time since I had one. There's... Yeah, it lacks the hops that you now come to expect with right. an IPA. But to be fair, to be fair, if you were going to drink one of our other national brand type beers without naming them, mm-hmm. this does have some more hops and flavor to it. Yep. It is the best of the standard national beers. Well, it was established in 1820, so they've had some practice, more brewing practice yeah. than we've had apparently, because we're making like porter sours <laughs> and some weird flavored beers. We've made a lot of sours by accident. <laughs> we have corrected our <laughs> brewing errors. So, a couple things about this beer. Tell me. I forgot the receipt, so we can't write it off. Don't. Yeah. That's mistake number one. <laughs> but also, one six packs of Keith's now costs seventeen eighty five. You're Whoa. kidding me. Yeah. Was that from our uh, government-approved liquor distribution? No, is it the Liquor Depot, which now appears to be a co-op? You got owned. Yeah. That's, those private liquor stores. 17 yeah. bucks for a six-pack? Yeah. What the hell's going on? That's like almost we, $4 a Keats. We may have to increase the price of buying us around. <laughs> That's outrageous. I'm, I'm well, actually Well, technically, upset. there's two rounds in there, so. True. Yeah. True. Not Fair enough. Problem. Okay, moving on, let's uh, talk about something financial independence related. Well, we're kind of going a little more investing related this week, aren't we? Well, we always go a little more investing related we these probably days. Do, but <laughs> we just didn't want to hear the account talk about options anymore because that's all I bug him about now, because that's what I'm doing, which is fun. <laughs> uh, but real estate. No, well, no, wait. We've already talked about real estate. Didn't we just talk about real estate? We well, just talked about real estate. And, and being an active landlord, right? Yeah, but this kind of works well into the next stage of that because we said there's other ways to be landlords. Yeah, I thought that was all part of your plan. Not really. Oh, like, really? We just were having the text conversation. I'm like, REITs, let's do REITs. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that quite works well with last episode. Yeah, so. doesn't it? So it's REITs, which are real estate investment trusts. Trivia question for you. Yes. Do you know what a, a REOC is? A real estate investment opportunity corporation. No, I have to look it up too, but it's, oh. R, it's R-E-O-C. Yeah. 
And he got all the letters. He did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. I was picking that up. But uh, yeah, I didn't even know they existed. But they have different capital structure. They can. They don't have to pay out all their earnings. Oh, gotcha. Does a REIT have to pay out all their earnings? Yeah. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves okay. before we... But yes, it does. But I mean... The, in, in Canada, yeah. The big idea is that it's a, a fund that buys real estate. Correct. Yeah. Is that where you're going to stop? Is that like, that's your description for the listeners? Like, that's it. That's it, boys and girls. <laughs> and, and you can buy shares of it at a, at a reduced price from one house. <laughs> well, luckily, I have some uh, pins tabbed here. Okay. Uh, there's actually a decent article... Not saying that some of the others aren't decent articles as well, but our friend Tom over at Maple Money has a, a REIT article. Gee, is bias around once. Uh, hey, you know, he's a friend of the show. It's okay. Anyway, it was last updated July 19th, 2021, and he's calling it Best Canadian REITs. And oh my goodness, if you just Google Best Canadian REITs, there's a ton of yeah. so-called best REITs out there. But let's be fair, there isn't that much, that many REITs in Canada there aren't. anyway. 20 or so? There's more than that. 25 or so? <laughs> I mean, there aren't hundreds. There aren't, bigger, there aren't, there aren't hundreds. I'll give investable you that. ones. Sure, but we're not going to spend this entire time just talking about which REITs. Well, I'm starting at A. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Slap you. No. Okay, so let's just, uh, let's just get back to the basics here. So a real estate investment trust or REIT is a pooled investment that lets investors buy and sell real estate on the stock market. By holding REITs in your portfolio, you can benefit from the earning potential of real estate without having to deal with the complexity and overhead of buying and managing individual properties. Thanks, Tom. That was a pretty good description. Yeah, sure, but I disagree. Okay, why? So this is what I wanted to talk about is I don't think that REITs are a replacement in your portfolio for actual physical, tangible real estate. What if you can't afford tangible real estate? I understand that. It's not not an option for you to get some exposure into the sector. But when the market crashed, did REITs shares crash? Yeah, everything listed in mm -hmm. the market crashed. I'm also going to take issue with another part of his definition. Okay. They're not strictly traded on the stock market. Uh, you referring to private REITs? Uh, we were defining REITs. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he defined public REITs. He defined public REITs. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. And you're both. I. You're both right. Like no, I don't. I can't disagree with you guys because that that is one of the problems with the market publicly traded REITs is that they are subject to the whimsy of the markets, right? Uh, and and yeah. the economy. They're entirely at the market's disposal. Mm -hmm. What the market does, I mean, not necessarily entirely correlated, but it's becoming a lot harder to find negatively correlated assets in the publicly listed market space. Mm -hmm. Agreed. When yeah. things go poorly, they go poorly generally across the board. And REITs got hammered at the beginning of COVID, especially like the commercial ones. And there was a lot of fear in the residential ones if people weren't going to yeah. be paying rent. Yep. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but you're at risk to market movements, but you're offset that risk by giving you that exposure to property for a low cost. And for low cost and B, the important part is liquidity. Liquidity, for sure. Right? It's, a, it's another important factor, but you have to think about as well, like we talked about, do you want to be an active manager? Do you right. want to actively manage your properties? This is the complete opposite. Right. Just because the REIT that you own owns the house next door doesn't mean that the idiot fund manager won't let it burn down and do nothing about it. 
Yeah. Well, that, okay. There's, that's fair. But I think we have to say unintelligent, not idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we can only refer to ourselves as idiots. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, okay. Yes. However, because it's publicly traded, then you also have the oversight and all the financials need to be public and there's a sort of greater uh, transparency to the business. So maybe you want to look at the management team of said REIT that you're going to invest in so there isn't right. poor decision-making that leads to, uh, you know, basically, you know, it can be as simple as lack of upkeep on their buildings yep. that hurt value. They're not at market rents. Like there's a lot of leadership and management things of a REIT that can cause its price to fluctuate. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's net and it's, okay. Explain its assets or how it's valued. Well, it should be valued by logical people based on its net asset value and its free cash flow. Right. So that's like, you know, well, we can use an example. Like, do you still have Rio Can? Yeah. Yeah. So do I. Do you have Rio Can as well? No. No. Okay. So Rio Can. Are they commercial? Yeah. 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 But they hold some massive buildings. Oh, yeah. big cities they got hit really really hard yeah but you know is workplaces people is everyone gonna be working from home forever we don't know these other things but rio can own some buildings so you can look at the buildings they own and get some actual value to it and then one of the other things to really look at when you're making an assessment of REIT is the core tenants that's right. a big one. And commercial leases, right? Like who's there? Is it your massive chain grocery store? Is it Canadian Tire that's leasing part of this building? Or is it like an Amazon distribution center? It's like, okay, I'm happy with those clients. Was that the dog? I think so. Man, does that stink. Oh, <laughs> Ralph, I'm glad I'm over here. Oh, it's not oh, good. Oh, it's coming your way. I can, I can taste that. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah, um, I might leave the room oh, before I have to pause that. the recording here, boys. <laughs> My eyes are watering. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. I gotta, throw not. The, I gotta throw the dog out. Hold on. <laughs> Get out. Come on. Let's go. You stink. <laughs> Come on. Go. Get up. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> Really glad I didn't get any of that. <sighs> Something about old dogs, eh? <laughs> oh, old dogs, yeah. It's not a good yeah. not a good combo. <sighs> Where were we? Rio can. Yeah, well that's <laughs> not really part of the topic, but how we determine the value. value. Okay, so let's get more back to some basics at the beginning too, right? Is Oh, I just got it. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are in a closed space in the garage here. Yeah, you thought it was gonna blow away. um how much do we want to hold in reits and where do we want to hold them okay and it's important to consider the tax consequences of them as well right so we're just going to skip over how to value them well i don't know that's getting kind of detailed it is and basically like i wanted to come back to a little bit of basics is i've decided i want some how much do i want where do i want to put them why do i want to have them we can get more detail generally there's a per share asset value Somewhere you can readily find, available. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So compare that to the price. And... Yeah, exactly. And all of them have really good websites, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? You can go in there and look at the individual properties many. they hold. We don't. We don't. I didn't. I haven't okay, looked at all. Many. <laughs> this uh, is this is for entertainment purposes only, right? And just our opinions. Yeah. Another one to factor in is free cash flow. 
because right. you have to a REIT has to pay out all of its profit, but there are non-cash items within that profit, and you want to make sure that a REIT isn't paying out a hundred percent of its cash or a hundred and five percent of its cash or right. You know, a lot of people will run after a REIT. Well, I can go get 8% in this REIT. Why don't I just go get my 8% dividend and I'll throw absolutely everything I have into it. And it's like, well, it's paying out 120% of its free cash flow. So you probably have a dividend cut coming and don't do that. Right. Yeah. So if I was going to hold some REITs, what uh, account would I put them in? I Haven't we been over this? I'm not, not on the not read right episode. <laughs> not on the read episode. You That's put, my question. <laughs> you put it in the TFSA. Everyone knows that. RSP, no? Well, you could put it in your RSP as well. Yes. Yeah. But TFSA is better because you're not going to have to pay tax on the way out. Right. Why? Yeah. Okay. So that's... So basically keep it out of your margin account. Yeah. Okay. You, you don't have... A REIT does not provide a dividend tax credit. You don't have the same tax advantages as a corporation paying dividends. Is that what you were looking for? My next question on my list is, what are the tax implications in non-registered? So yeah, go for it. It's perfect. No, it's perfect. Yeah, because that's... And the other thing I came across too is like, if people mistakenly call it a dividend. It's, it's not, not... It's a distribution. It's a distribution. And that can also have return of capital in it too. Yeah. Right? So if you're friends with the account, he's not going to like you too much if you got a bunch of REITs in your non-registered. <laughs> Paying Don't. tons of return of capital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So understand the tax consequences because let's be fair right a lot of us look at the REITs and be like like you said eight percent returns it's like that's better than a savings account because it's backed by real estate and there's good tenants in there so i'm just going to get that cash flow right yeah except if the eight percent return or pay distribution payout includes six percent return of capital you're really getting two percent and six percent of your own money back mm-hmm. well that's fine it just means i'm going to pay uh, capital gains differently not necessarily. Why not? Because not if they're not earning enough to cover the payout. Okay, fair. So what's the critical factors in, in deciding here then? Is like you said, just explain a little bit of what um, free cash flow means for these. Because because the corporation, like they're not actually corporations, the REITs, and they're mandated by the government to pay out 100% of their earnings, but that's not necessarily- Profit. That's yeah, but that's not how they do the accounting because they've got depreciation and other costs in there, right? Yeah. So just give us a quick run through on that if you can. On what what, what free cash flow means to in a REIT as far as you looking at it as an investor? Does it matter? Well, free cash flow is literally the cash at the end of the day after they pay all funds their expenses. from operations. Yeah, the funds from operations. And that's what you'll see as FFO, right? Yeah, and it's not including or all a your FFO is adjusted funds from operations. Yeah, and yeah. you're not including all your non-cash items like you said like depreciation or anything like that. Mortgage pay down. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you answered my question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't phrase it well. Clearly I didn't. I clearly I didn't understand my question to ask the question. <laughs> I only like asking questions I know the answer to because then I can phrase them properly. <laughs> uh, next, what do you guys think as far as percentage or portfolio? Do you have any kind of like rule of thumb? Not really. I mean, I think maybe even though an accountant might disagree, if you don't have real real estate, you might up your REIT percentage. So you, you don't have real estate, right? Do you up your REIT percentage? I don't know if I do or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. Okay. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't know the alternate state, right? 
Yeah, that's if, a fair point. You've I picked a, a portfolio yeah. breakdown that, yeah, you're comfortable yeah. with. And I don't know how much not owning a house has impacted my decision. You, can you ballpark a percentage? Uh, me? 20. Okay. that's. I would say that's higher than what I would go for. I've seen kind of around 10% sometimes. What yeah. Do you, what do you think? I think that if it's the only exposure you have to real estate, I think 10 to 20% is reasonable. But again, this is just for entertainment purposes. But that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah totally, I mean, yeah. a lot of REITs have, like you said, good payout ratios, some strong growth. And a lot of them are in, everybody's talked about when all the REITs crash, like, oh, you know, I don't want to be in office space anymore because no one's ever going back to an office. Yeah. And I'm sure these multi-billion dollar buildings sitting in downtown city centers could never be repurposed for <laughs> any other use other than the offices they're currently right. set up at. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if somebody owns the corner of Bay and Bloor in Toronto, that building's got some value regardless. That doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's another reason why whether you have real real estate or not might not impact how much you hold because- your REIT could be, it doesn't have to have any residential component, really. Yeah. There, there's industrial, commercial. Grocery. I, I think automotive, that's. Automotive. Healthcare. Healthcare. In the States, at least. Yeah. Hotels. Yeah. Tourism. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important one to look at is if you're looking at your exposure and you don't own any real estate, or let's say you do own real estate, but you want exposure to, well, I can't afford to go buy the industrial complex down the road, but. There's no industrial space available in this city that's really sought after real estate. Right. Then, yeah, maybe you want some exposure to industrial REITs. Well, it's one of the things that I've always, it's, you know, back in the day when I was sort of first learning about all this stuff, I was just like, who does own that mall or who does own that giant office building? Like, who owns this stuff? Right. Because mm -hmm. you're like, this can't be like one person that owns like that giant multi million. Sometimes it is, sometimes <laughs> it isn't. Right. <laughs> But what you realize is you start looking through even just like the Canadian REITs and like just about every shopping center that's got a Canadian tire in it or, you know, what's got a Walmart in it or whatever, that quite often is part of a REIT. Right. So when you live in a town and you spend all of your money at the same grocery store, the same hardware store and all the rest of it, you're paying for those tenants yep. to pay a REIT. So in my mind, it's like another way of getting paid to have that business in right. your town or you, that you're using yeah. right yeah you know it's we come back to you know invest in things you know and you use right like you're gonna invest in colgate because you brush your teeth that right. sort of thing we right? hope you brush your teeth generally yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so that kind of covers a few of those now we did talk about read etfs before do you guys want to quickly chat about that it's it's the same as any other ETF. It right? really it's, is. You're taking a basket of all of them and you're taking the aggregate of what they all do together. Right. I don't it, go with, that's the one area where I don't go with ETFs. Well, another thing is you can't specify your industry. No. In Or at least I, I'm not aware of a, a read ETF that no, just, just focuses on one. And especially component. because the big players in Canada are so big. They're effectively they effectively are you know five or six different REITs are almost all of your REIT ETF anyway even yeah. though it has twenty different holdings in it mm -hmm. it's really not right like if you looked at the breakdown of that ETF you just be like well I'll just buy those top five save the management expense yeah and make your own right yeah yeah 
I think it's one of those as a pro and a con. It's if you just want super simplicity and you're not that bothered about this extra exposure, you could just, just grab an ETF, right? It's all, that's going to be your personal investing preference. Now, the economist brought up the sectors. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to consider. Right. Look at the way housing has gone in Canada, right? The unaffordability is a problem. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. The affordability is a problem, well, not the other way around. <laughs> but let's be, you know, let's be frank here that residential housing is becoming a commodity, unfortunately. It will. It's not becoming. It is a commodity. It is. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's the other thing is REITs are, they look to acquire more things. Yeah. So yeah. more and more of them are getting bought up, the bigger and bigger these are. And we're only talking currently about public REITs, but you have a ton of private REITs yeah. that are out there that are buying up properties all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like it's becoming more and more commercialized, right? Which, we can go down a whole rabbit hole sure. on, you know, housing as a commodity and how it's, you know, cause what happens is they'll go in and buy a building, right? And then you have the gentrification and then it pushes out existing residents and blah, blah, blah. That's probably a 12 part mini series. It's at least, <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. There's actually a couple of good documentaries. There's a good one on, um, on YouTube that, um, Stasher, Chris Stas brought up. Right. So are we going to classify BlackRock as a REIT? That's a good question. I don't think so. No, I mean, it's just a small part yeah. of their company, but they are buying up all the houses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, as far as the sectors go is, you know, same thing, right? You drive around and look at all the apartments and the buildings. That building. Well, maybe it's Killian Properties or what are the other big residential ones? Uh, Canadian Apartment. Can, Cap, yeah. yeah, Canadian Apartment. You know, maybe you do want some exposure to that because you don't have a rental apartment. You want to have the rental apartment REIT. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Or I know the accountant's big on the uh, industrial. I like industrials. Yeah, too. industrials. The only REITs that I hold is industrial. Right. Why? Because I already have exposure to residential. Okay. And I don't really need or want office exposure. Okay. I, I guess I have a small office exposure. Do you, but, still, do you still have Slate? Uh, I do still have Slate. I do too. But <laughs> that's a legacy dumb, yeah. dumb purchase that I just am not bothering to sell. <laughs> what, do you know what your what's your uh, Do you know what your price is on Slate? Have you been dripping it? Uh, no, I have not been dripping it. Oh. But it's so your cost base is still pretty high. Then, eh, I'm, I'm not that bad. I don't own much of it. Would you Would you punch it off if you broke even? It pays. I don't really care. <laughs> it's got pretty decent properties. Yeah. Right. The properties are still solid. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think about in terms of if you're wanting exposure to real estate, but you want more exposure to your local real estate market of searching out and finding a private REIT like the two of you have done? Well, we like it. <laughs> <laughs> We're for <laughs> pro. We're on the pro side. Yeah. I think it comes with more risk. We, oh yeah, I, and well, you're ways. not a, you're not yeah. as liquid. You're not as liquid. Right. That's but that can be a good thing at times. Yeah, easier to create some sort of scam. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, it's private now. You don't have access to all of their books, and they're not regulated. They're not in the regulated. Same way. Not in the same way. But that comes with a plus side as well, is all the regulation of a publicly traded REIT is very expensive. Is a drain. It's yeah. very expensive. The private REITs that we're in has got pretty high fees. Yeah, definitely. I think it's 1%. I forget what the effective fee was, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. No. So it's like, well, is it worth it? 
Well, and what was your minimum entrance fee to that? That's the thing too. It's a, yeah. usually it's a pretty high bar to entry and some of them you need to be an accredited investor. Right. right. I think it was 25. It was 25. And I talked them down to 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you have to sign a disclosure that you were um, a business associate or whatever? So you weren't an accredited? I think so. Yeah. It was uh, It was a memorandum of offering maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, yeah, they do that. O- offering memorandum. I forget. I think yeah. it's the private REIT's a lot harder to do due diligence on. Mm-hmm. It is. Right? Because you're, you're basically given their prospectus and you're like, okay, that's got all of these properties that that we know because they're, you know, they're here on the island. Yeah. And we know the demographics of the towns. Yeah. But the actual properties themselves, how how am I supposed to make an evaluation of its value, of its current rents or its tenancy or its, you know, the required maintenance and upgrades that are going to have to be done to that building? You got to sort of take a lot on faith. Well, that's and that's true of both private and public REITs because how many people have the money to buy these massive, you know, okay, if the if they say the building's worth $80 million, mm-hmm. well, your buyer pool is pretty small at $80 million for anything. Yeah. yeah. There's not that many people out there that are like, yep, yeah, <laughs> I'll just take it out of my checking account. Right. But I mean, REITs exist and- they're, they have a cash flow. For sure. So, there's you can value them. No, yeah. I'm just saying the open yeah. market for valuing right. the buildings themselves is a little more difficult. Absolutely. And and even with the public read, I mean, how many hundreds of properties do they have? You'd be months of due diligence if you did a, a thorough job, right? Yeah. Well, that's the other one is, as far as I am aware, there is not a single publicly traded REIT that owns single family houses because how hard would running a company that every single like income stream has to be managed individually every property has to be managed individually i mean that's what blackrock's doing though they are the first to do it i believe right yeah tell me more about this because clearly i don't know the houses in the states oh in the states yeah yes it's not up here but they're buying up, up single family homes. But the logistics of running that, right? A lot of people think, hey, I'm getting real estate exposure because I'm getting into these REITs. But they own apartment buildings, industrial complexes, shopping centers, yeah. that kind of thing. Big. Because they can get economies of scale. You own four city blocks in Vancouver worth of single family houses. It might be worth a lot of money. But think of the logistics of having that many individual tenancies that are not all in one place, that many hot water heaters, that many everything that goes along with it. It's not the same as an apartment building. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult to manage. So nobody's really done it. So why are they doing it? They think there's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, it's going to, I imagine it's a monopoly game. So is it from uh, appreciation point of view or is it from sorry by a monopoly game i mean they're going to buy up a significant stock so that they would have control over rental markets in given cities and then be able to price them accordingly is it or is it because they're buying it all up to sell at a future day for massive capital appreciation i don't think so no i don't think blackrock's in the speculation game no they, they, they generally don't seem to be in the speculation game but it is an interesting one because that's kind of the last frontier that hasn't been commoditized right. is single family homes. Right. And that's everyone's at a severe disadvantage to giant corporations because giant corporations can get a whole bunch of leverage real cheap 
Exactly. Like that, what do you think is cash really, offers every time? What do you think is really driving up house prices? It's it's the fact cheap that money rates. is incredibly cheap. Yeah. If I saw, I'll have to try and find it for the show notes, but I saw something saying that mortgages today, in terms of a percentage of your income, inflation adjusted, are the same as they were in the early eighties. The the difference the payment the payment yeah because. In the early 80s, you were paying anywhere from 11 to 18% interest on your mortgage, and today you're paying 1.5. Right. So the payment isn't all that different. It's no. the sticker shock of saying, how the heck is that house worth a million bucks? Right. Well, it's because people can afford the payment because there's almost negligible interest attached to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Which then also causes the flip side of what happens to all your real estate if interest rates go up. <laughs> but we won't go there. Well, <laughs> that kind of ties into something. So, okay, as always, I've got my tabs open here. 9,000 tabs? No, only 8,000 today. Oh, good for you. Yeah, uh, there's actually a fairly decent article in the Financial Post. And that may sound like there's some surprise in my voice there, but... <laughs> That's because he is surprised. <laughs> yes, there literally was surprise. <laughs> It's a nine-minute read, which is awfully long for a Financial Post article as well. Also awfully long for a money mechanic read article. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not saying I read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, there, the truth comes out. Yeah, if it doesn't have the little... No, I can read nine minutes at least. Uh, one of the things that came up in this article is, do you think having REITs in your portfolio or being invested in REITs has some is a form of a hedge against potential inflation? Well, inflation isn't going to hurt those things, you wouldn't think. Right? Is it a hedge though? I mean, maybe not. Maybe being hedge invested is, is a hedge. Yeah, maybe hedge isn't the right word to use, right? But I, I might be. I just think if you own companies and real estate, those things, money, they're tangible. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, like, okay. So, yeah, I, I know where you're going with this, right? Is if if you own a company that makes widgets and inflation goes up, they charge more for the widgets, and you're protected against that inflation, right? And it's like if you own property and inflation goes up and you charge more rent, you're protected against inflation. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I guess the answer is a redundant question. Yes, you have some yeah. inflation protection, but I guess maybe more in the sense of like it, the cost of borrowing, as far as because that's something that we never really get into with REITs, right? But the the amount of debt that a REIT carries is a pretty important metric to sort of look at. Yeah. That's a big one to look at is how how is that going to affect cash flows and the and the ability of those REITs to pay out said cash to you. Mm -hmm. That's the big advantage with most of these REITs, right? Is Leverage. I think all of them in Canada pay out monthly. Yes. So all I know, all I own, all I own do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice, it's a steady monthly shows up every month. Yeah. 15th of the month. Bam. I get my distribution from my REITs and it's a paycheck in your pocket. Right. And I think that's the huge draw for a lot of people that go heavy into REITs is, Hey, you know, I'm trying to create an income I can live off of. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier when it just shows up every month than having to balance on quarterly payments and semi-annual payments and when the hell money's going to show up. Yeah. So basically from what you just said is that you're you're mostly just doing this as a cash flow play, right? Because most of these REITs don't have that they'll fluctuate with the markets, but they don't have huge appreciation value depending what you buy into. Okay. And and also yeah, depending what REIT you buy and their philosophy because their philosophy may be buy, upgrade and sell or buy, upgrade and hold, right? So, yeah. Well, Granite REIT, for instance, it pays 
I think, a 3 or a 4% dividend in there, which is relatively... Distri- <laughs> distribution. Distribution. Uh, <laughs> which nice. is relatively low yeah. for a REIT, to be honest. Yeah. But it is focused on capital appreciation right. and building more properties and gaining more yeah. market value. Right. And it's done very well over the past... I mean, I think it hit 91 a couple days ago and... I bought it at 40. Like I should have bought all of it at 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Got a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah, you're, you've invested in the past five years. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right there. And the, the private one that we own, the, the economist and I, I think one of the things we do like about it is that it's philosophy of infill. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of old properties with a lot of vacant land that can be used right. to increase the housing supply, which is a good thing for the community. Which we need. We need that big time. So, I don't know. Is there a moral objection to owning REITs? Or or can you say the REIT I own is doing good for the community because it's building more housing and making, you know, I, I don't know. I have a tough time thinking it's morally corrupt. Just because there aren't individuals buying apartment buildings, right? This, they're not buying up condos. They're not buying up single family dwellings. No, they're they're buying up. They're buying rental houses, rent. right? So okay, uh, and I guess that's the thing is that we talked a little bit about the commodity of housing. So if every apartment building is now corporate corporate owned or like REIT owned then you just created this like people, they can tr- basically charge whatever rents they want. And I know in BC, we've got like the rent, what do they call it? Like you can only limit how much the rent can go up and stuff like that, right? The rent rental increase limits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. But, you know, is there a moral, moral objection to owning residential REITs in your portfolio if you feel strongly about the state of housing? I mean, if your REIT was pursuing monopolistic uh, tactics, then maybe. But as long as you have competition in the apartment complex market. Right. Right? I mean, I well, in Victoria, there's Devon Brown Brothers and then there's buildings owned by REITs. Like private individuals as well, groups of people. Yeah. Like there's, it's not like it's a monopoly. No. And the other factor here is, uh, maybe I'll get some heat for this, but the housing issue along with being the interest rate problem is also a supply issue. There is a great demand for housing and we do not have enough supply. That's not totally clear. It's not totally clear and it gets murky with foreign buyers and other things like that. But if you look at any of the REITs I've ever looked at, they're not buying things to hold them empty and count on appreciation. No, they're buying them to rent them out and get them to as close to a 100% occupancy as they possibly can because they want to make money. They're in the business of having that fully rented. I can't see how that's bad. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, how did the dog fart smell get back yeah, in here? But yeah, no. Um, was that a, a Keith sneeze? It was going to be. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. They're in the business of getting as much money in their trust as possible. Right? They don't want to, like, even if they're counting on appreciation in an apartment building they buy, they're not just going to sit around and not rent it for 10 years and then sell it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it looks like he's going to sneeze. He does. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> um, you have it before about ESG investing, which is environmental, social, and governance. Okay. Do you look into your REITs from that perspective? 
I have not, no. Okay. That's not true. I think for one, Killiam. Mm-hmm. I think they have some sort of glossy advertising <laughs> about- Some, some greenwashing? Yeah. 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 I think there they have go. some greenwashing. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't okay. dug deep into it. Yeah. No, it was just yeah. a question because I'm sure that may be a question some of our listeners and investors will want to look into, mm-hmm. especially when there's multiple REITs available within a sector- that yeah. may be something you want to look at and say, which one of these has a better management structure that's more inclusive of diversity and all the rest of it, right? Yeah. So, do you guys consider your REITs as like a different asset class? Or is, you know, you've, the, well, the, the common phrase that gets thrown around is that you need, you know, right. seven different income sources. Yeah. Is a REIT a different income source than other market securities for you? Half. Half. <laughs> it gets a 0. 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> but... Okay, so the thing is, and I was going to bring this up earlier, but with the private read, or I bought it just before COVID, I think, and there was no COVID crash with that read, right? Like, because there's no market for it. Because there's no open marketplace for it. Right? So, one year later, their price went up, and they paid distributions, and but... There was no fluctuation in the value necessarily. I, I don't know what would have happened if I tried to sell in March of 2020. That but. That is an advantage that we haven't really talked about is having non-market assets. They don't, they can't react in the same way a market can. Right. And you forget how quickly a lot of these market events can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what did the crash take like? A month yeah. with COVID, yeah, maybe for it to be like down forty percent, back, back up, up another twenty, yeah. Well, you don't even get monthly statements a lot of times on private investments. No, like maybe we, you we look get quarterlies. At, yeah, quor- no, I think we quor- do get monthlies. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But you can't freak out and overreact. No. Yeah. If you're not able to, yeah, there's not an active marketplace for it, so the active market can't freak out and do something stupid. There is a big yeah. advantage to that. Fair. Yeah. So I think the private read is a different class as much as real estate is a different class. Yeah, I would I would lump a private read in with real estate, but I don't know if I would in terms of publicly traded reads. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'd give it your point five. I, I'm kind of thinking that's yeah, five out of ten stars as well. Yeah. It's kind of a fifty fifty on it. I do look at it differently. I you know, as cause I hold individual ones in my TFSA. And again, because A, I chose them for the sector they're in and B, for the cash flow. Yeah. Right? So, I look at them differently than I look at a telestock or something like that or my ETFs. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. They've become and they are more correlated with market movements. Well, absolutely they are. Look at, there's one of the quotes that from the whole meme stock saga. Yeah. And it was... We can stay, stu- I'll, I'll paraphrase, we can stay stupid longer than you can stay solvent. <laughs> the business was irrelevant on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Market was just manipulating what was happening. You are subject to that. Like you could have a great apartment building that's 100% rented and the market could decide it just hates that group of buildings that that read owns one day and it could tank. And if you need the cash, mm-hmm. doesn't matter that the REIT is bringing in all of the rent it was going to, it's making a ton of money. If its payout is what it was, but you needed the value of the shares, 
you're still subject to the fact that the market crashed the value of those shares. Right. That's fair. Hopefully you'd have some access to debt when you were selling off in your drawdown period. Yes. Right. That's the other thing is you you personally can't use leverage in the same way you normally can with real estate. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the read is using leverage in the way that you could normally use it. The read is going to use leverage. And yes. You, you can use leverage differently. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get to a, a lesser little, extent. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. getting more risky on that end of things. You guys are talking in circles. <laughs> what about episodes over? Well, pretty close. <laughs> what about uh, international? I own some Canadian REITs that hold international property. I think that's kind of nice to get some other exposure into those markets as well, right? Like, I think we both own ERE, European yep. Residential. Yep. It's like, they've got some gorgeous buildings. Really nice and buildings. Like, was it that it's Holland and uh, Denmark, I think? Amsterdam and Amsterdam, Denmark, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's like, wow, I'm a Canadian. I get to own a piece of those buildings in Canadian dollars and get paid distributions in, in Canadian and yet have exposure to a European residential market, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Yeah. And there's some other ones too, right? That I can't remember them off the top of my head, but you can, there's, did you, have you heard of Slate Grocery? No. No, I hadn't heard of it before. I, it was in a couple of the articles that I'll link in the show notes, but Slate is obviously Canadian because we know Slate Office, but Slate Grocery went in and bought up a ton of res, uh, retail shopping centers in the States when they were at, you know, dumpster fire prices yep. and they all, and they hold a ton of good tenants that are grocery stores and pharmacies and things like that. So as a Canadian, you can own Slate Grocery and gain exposure to other markets, right? So there's, I think there's some real value in that, that it's worth exploring and looking and saying, well, maybe I want some of that in my portfolio. I can't remember the other one that I think it got, um, wasn't there an industrial one in Europe that got sold? Yes. Uh, Pirate? Pirate? What do you mean by got sold? It, it went got private. BlackRock bought it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It bought the whole REIT. Right. So if you were a holder, you got a good premium on it. Yeah. Right? But you're like, but I really wanted <laughs> the exposure to what that was. Yeah. It was yeah. an industrial. It was, what the heck was the name of it? P, I'm sure it was P-I-R-I-T. Industrial. I don't remember. I can't remember. Defunct. No well, it's not existed. defunct. It just doesn't well, exist the, anymore. The read is. Uh, yeah. I guess that's true. Now you have to own BlackRock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think? I still don't think. I give reads two thumbs up. I give them two thumbs up, but I I think a lot of people use them as like a, a, major, a major negative correlation to their portfolio and a proxy for owning, for not owning residential real estate. And I don't think they truly understand that it is a different thing. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to own residential real estate. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But I think some people think they're making up for not doing that by owning a REIT. And they don't even realize the REIT they own owns an office building somewhere. And you know, one more thing. We're all in the FI community worried about the MER, the MER, Management Expense Ratio. Yeah. In the public REITs, you don't know what it is, but it's high. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Because like that they're charging all those fees in the back. Yeah. It's all... That's, that's coming out of the bottom line Administration, of the REIT, right? yep. Yeah. There's a lot of management fees happening in a REIT. Yeah. And a, like you said earlier, the private one was a percent or more. Pretty sure, yeah. 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 
that's it's something to consider for sure. But you know, at the end of the day, if it's a cash flow play and you're happy with what the distribution is, and you're willing to ride the volatility, and you've chosen it specifically because it fits in with your overall portfolio and your overall outlook, and then you know maybe it has a place. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't mind having more of it coming out of the TFSA, spitting out free money. For sure. And I think the thing is, is if you're using it for that distribution. It's not free money. (laughs) It costs you whatever the price of the read is. It costs you admission, (laughs) but but you're 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 not going to draw them down. Right. Says who? Well, okay, maybe eventually, but ideally you're just like, I'll just collect the 5% off it in perpetuity, right? You're being too cautious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right six percent sorry yeah. the economist wants six plus eight 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 percent rule eight percent rule <laughs> so you're just like stocking up on Embridge and rio can or no no i don't want eight percent dividends oh 8% i want an eight percent rule nice. that would be nice yeah. it makes it makes your numbers a lot more gamble enjoyable. gamble <laughs> i can't i can't wait for the economist to do the research for the next episode which is going to be the eight percent rule <laughs> double down on the four yeah love it <laughs> Uber leverage. Uber. Uh, so, any reviews on the Keats? Has it grown on you? It's tasty beer. I mean, it brings me back to the campfires of the mid aughts. The mid aughts. Yeah, it's about right. The mid aughts. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I I would choose it over if it's a cooler full of beers that you can buy across Canada, and we all know what they are without the names. I'd probably grab one of these over the ones that come in the uh, red and white balls or the blue balls or the you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers, Nova Scotia. And you're going to have to, you guys, you do the show notes. You're going to have to put a couple of Spilly Talker ads in there because they were pretty funny. The Talker ads were really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, that's REITs. Drop us a line with questions. As usual, we don't cover everything and it's just our opinion. But yeah, who knows? They probably got a place in your portfolio. And a lot of people are probably overexposed to them. All right, cheers. 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 Cheers.